0: You are a cup. So you're a cup that you would drink out of. Right now, you have a cup that's the size of a shot glass. But you've golfed enough and you've hit enough golf balls that it is full to the brim of skill. Well, in order for you to get better at golf, we need to enlarge that cup and then we can pour the skill back into it.
1: Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of The Mental Golf Show. As always, I'm your host, Josh Nichols. And on today's episode, we've got Jason Nickel. Don't get our names confused. I'm Josh Nichols. He's Jason Nickel. Jason is a military veteran, a swing instructor on Skillist. But even more than that, he's a coach of the whole game. We have some fascinating stuff on this one that kind of displays his kind of well-rounded approach to golf. We talk about Jason's history with injury and how that makes him particularly well-equipped to help golfers swing within their own bodies. He's got an insane story about an injury he got while on the battlefield. I hadn't heard it. You might have uh, heard of his uh, kind of history or his past. Um, I hadn't heard the story. So it, was, it was crazy. We also talk a lot about Chasing Scratch uh, and and his relationship with the podcast and particularly his work with Mike from Chasing Scratch. There's some good stuff in there that can apply to all of us, uh, and, and Jason lays out what his responsibility is as a coach in working with a player, but also what our responsibilities are in order to improve. It's a it's a give and take on that. This is just a great conversation with a great guy. But before we get into this episode, I want to tell you about three things. First off, the custom weekly practice plan. If you're interested in practicing better and having a more structured plan for your time to maximize your improvement then you need a custom weekly practice plan. Here's how it goes. Here's the process. You give me your stats or maybe your general assessment of your game. There's, there's places to put all of it. You tell me when you can typically practice and play and what resources you have, and I will hand build you a practice plan. You will get a fully filled out week of practice down to the minute, which you can use week after week and work on your game in a systematic way. And this works great for the off season too. there's There's lots of um, lots of people that have purchased the practice plan that just have access to a simulator. Some people just once a, a week that they can get to a simulator for an hour, but they have a putting mat or or some other way to practice, even if even if you just need to structure your um, kind of speed training better. Uh, we can do all that with this practice plan. It's it's flexible and custom to you, but also I'm I'm able to create a structure for you to follow. So uh, this is, if you have any kind of way to practice, then that time needs to be optimized in my opinion. So go to joshnicholsgolf.com slash practice plan or go to the link in the show notes to learn more and purchase your practice plan. And if you feel like you need one-on-one work on your mental game, that's what I do. Yes, I host this podcast and I build practice plans, but my actual occupation is working with players all over the world on their golf psychology. If you like the topics I cover with guests or my Golf Thought Thursday episodes, this is the exact type of stuff that I work on with players. So if you'd like to take the next step to improve your mental game, then send an email to mentalgolfshow at gmail.com and uh, use in the subject subject line one-on-one mental coaching or uh, golf psychology coaching, something along those lines, or visit my website, joshnicholsgolf.com for more info. Or if you'd like a less formal intro to mental coaching, this is this would be the most approachable way to, to start working on your mental game. You don't have to spend any money or you don't have to talk to me. You can take the mental game assessment. It's a 15-minute questionnaire that'll give you your mental strengths and your biggest area for mental improvement. It's a great resource to start working on your mental game. And again, the best part is it is free. The link to everything I've mentioned will be in the show notes of this episode. All right, let's get into this conversation with Jason Nickel. Hope you enjoy. How do you typically introduce yourself to random people?
0: <laughs> so I don't, uh, I, I don't go out being like, "Hey, you know, I'm a golf instructor." People always ask it. It gets usually brought up in conversation when you're golfing with random people, and it's like, "Oh, what do you do?" And it's like, "Well, uh, I I teach golf," and they're like, "Oh, oh, really?" And I remember <laughs> there's two guys that I got paired up with uh, on my last trip that I was down in the, in the states. And for about 12 holes, it was the very standard one buddy struggling. The other friend is like giving him swing advice. And I'm just walking along going, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah, please, please don't do what your friend is asking you to do. <laughs> right. <laughs> and it wasn't so... Until- you know the 12th or 13th hole the guy goes so what do you do and i'm like well I, I teach golf and he goes ah i see um and then that was the end of like the tips and then his buddy came i think it was on the 16th or 17th hole and he's like so i uh, seen me golf uh what would you suggest and i said well <laughs> i would none love of that. for you to do none of that i uh, go seeking a, a professional and he'll be able to help you out and he was like that's yes. a good idea <laughs>
1: Yes. Yep. Buddies. Buddies helping buddies is almost. It's probably the worst plague on golf. Might be.
0: Oh, for sure. Um. I mean, just on top of my head, I have another student. He's fairly new to me. We've been making me work together for two months, and I remember we were chatting. So he is. A, he is a, a severe chicken wing, and so we were talking about like all the things that I want to work on this thing. and I never. I never. Or I should say, I try to never overload my students with like, what I might see as the end, like, here, we're going to do this, we're going to do this, we're going to do this, because that's gets too much. And so we were chatting about something else, and he brought out his chicken wing. And I said, well, we're, we're going to address that. And he goes, well, don't, don't you think that has to do with like, why my face is so closed? And I was like, no, that is actually a functional movement for you to play half decent golf right now. If you were to get rid of that, you would pull the ball even worse. And he goes, oh, but all my friends telling me that i'm chicken winging because my or I'm, I'm pulling the ball because i'm chicken winging and i was like no that's not the case whatsoever and then i demonstrated to him so of course because you have to be able to like quantify you know what you're telling someone which is like well i'm big thing and i said well look at the club face when i do this the club face stays more stable or more open if i release it well where does that club face go and he goes oh my goodness he goes you're 100 right i said okay so you need to first thing stop listening to your friends Cause they might, they might love you and they might try to help you out, but they're making it worse for you.
1: Yep. They don't know what they're talking about. Uh, almost always.
0: Pretty much. Yeah.
1: I mean, d- yeah.
0: don't get me wrong. There's some people that maybe are very knowledgeable, but the other thing is you need to know the right amount of something to be in someone's swing. The best analogy that I ever, that I ever heard about how a golf swing is, it, it's a recipe. It's like baking something. You need the correct amounts and they need to go in at the right time. Otherwise the cake gets flat. That's actually
1: yeah. really well said. I, I, usually it's just the analogy of you have to get the right amount of every ingredient, but at the right time is Correct. a huge factor. How do you know, like, is that something you've learned over time? Or is that, is that like some special knowledge that you have of when, <laughs> <laughs> like you were blessed with the special knowledge? How, how do you know uh, when was, to get? I was, I
0: was most definitely not blessed with it um (laughs) so i i learned under shayne Nachivani, who's a is a fantastic swing coach here in canada um the the amount of knowledge that guy has is amazing i'm always trying to pick his brain i'm actually going to go shadow him uh in a couple weeks for a couple days again Uh, um i'm always trying to build like my repertoire, you know, the tools in the toolbox, um, I, I didn't have, I didn't come from like a big, you know, golf family background that, you know, someone was always doing it. Um, I'm just always searching out more knowledge and then being able to bring that to my students.
1: Yeah. Okay. So the, um, the idea of when, when I give information as, would you say that's as important or maybe even more important than the actual information that you give?
0: Mm, for sure yeah like if someone's struggling struggling with you know let's say they're slicing the golf ball uh i might at one point want to you know work on their ground force reactions and like you know getting rid of you know some early extension or something like that but if their main issue is that their club face is 10 degrees open in the backswing up to the top and in transition that is going to be the first thing that we need to work on because we can work on everything else that were blue in the face, but we're never going to be able to change any of those because those are functional movements because of something earlier in the swing. Cause and effect yeah. is always the number one thing that you need to tackle. So when you look at what you need to tell that student, you need to have like a little checklist of like, this needs to be in a good spot. Then this needs to be a good spot. And this is a good spot And where a lot of amateur golfers also struggle is they might know what their issue is, but they move from that too soon into the next thing and it's never solidified. So then it just slips back and then they have issues because now they're trying to do two things at once.
1: Yeah. They're moving on to the next thing to work on before figuring out that other one, making it, turning it into a habit. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Back to kind of about you. What, what would you say that you specialize in or what would you say sets you apart from other swing instructors golf coaches like is there is there a specialty that you have that you would say yeah you know this is my thing other people have their thing but this is mine do you have something like that
0: um i don't like advertise it by any means i would say that because of my certain circumstances and my own let's say body issues (laughs) from my injuries um i really do try to take a deeper dive into like how the body moves and knowing how the player in front of me can move, and it does take some back and forth. Um, I have one longtime student, and we've been we've been chatting for maybe about six to seven months. And all of a sudden, he was like, "You know what? I was sitting, <laughs> I was sitting down the other day, and I noticed that my my right foot can turn out a lot, and my left foot can't really turn out a lot." And I was like, "Ah, interesting. Can you?" Do that motion while you're making a golf swing. He's like, "Oh, I never really thought about that." And so what we ended up doing was cl- closing his rear foot and opening his lead foot, and that gave him the ability to not only because he was overturning in the backswing and then not turning enough in the downs. and so his body was limited by his how his hips were going into a socket. Now, I obviously, I do a lot online, and so there's a there's a good need to be able to communicate back and forth with stuff like that. Now, you're going to be, you know, the everyday golfer. Let's say that sits at a desk. Yeah, you're going to be tight and, and general. But if you've got major issues, I love helping golfers that have those find workarounds to be able to golf. And I mean, I would say that's you know, especially. But I mean. <laughs> everybody has something that's going on that's different inside their body that they need to find out to help them, you know, more or less swing their swing.
1: Yeah. Okay. So what's, what's going on with your injuries? What's, what's the past there? What's the story Mm. with all that?
0: So I, I I served in the Canadian forces for nine years, about five and a half of that was active service. The last Mm. part of that was, was in, it was post injury. Um, I went overseas to Afghanistan in 2008, I took an AK forty-seven round through my right femur, completely shattering it. it. Took about four inches of my femur out, um, so the leg was just flopping around. Basically, <laughs> um, got out I of there. Did not air. know that. Whoa. Oh, <laughs> yeah. It was uh, it was a hairy day. As uh, some good stories <laughs> from that tour for sure. Um, the, after after we were done uh, and back in Canada, one of the captains from the main um, forward operating bases that had like a drone footage he was, uh, our, our, the Canadian drones don't have any, um, uh, mil- uh, weapons on them. So he's just basically just viewing it. And he's like, I can't believe nobody died. Uh, so how the situation ended up happening is we almost got uh, surrounded by about 40 tab fighters, uh, to our eight. Um, and we just pulled back just enough that they basically couldn't surround us. Artillery came in just the right time. So that like i got shot at that point but um mm-hmm. yeah it was it was it was crazy there was grenades rpgs the whole the whole nine yards so for for no one oh. to die was a was a big win so that oh was my like goodness. my 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 big one i had one pre to that actually in in workup i tore my right rotator cuff right out of the socket but had i uh disclosed that i would have been kicked off to her so i basically just gutted it up and uh wow finished all my workout, not actually being able to lift my arm. <laughs> <laughs> now, obviously hindsight 2020, um, it would have been good to have some rehab on that because then I have had some major issues in my trail shoulder, which I'm working through. And again, mm. students, uh, you have the ability to like, the body can heal, uh, at barring obviously some things. Um, so it's been one year, really hard rehab. Uh, I don't know if you know the 99 test for the TPI, but, uh, I, you, I would fail that miserably and I mm. passed it uh, the other day <laughs> for the oh. first time since that injury and I was, it was actually, thanks. It was actually funny because I was making a video for a student and I straight up, uh, stopped, uh, stopped the video because yeah. I was so shocked that I could pass it. Um, but it just shows you that you can work through some stuff, um, mm. which is, which is going to help. Um, but then of course you need to work it into, into the swing. So Obviously, uh, trail leg issues with uh, nerve damage. And <laughs> trail leg also...
1: issues yeah. is way too big, <laughs> man. That's insane.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I have wow. some issues in there for sure. Yeah. I try and work around them. Um, so, but, but it gave me the, I mean, it drove, that's what drove me into the, into teaching was that the, let's say, standard instructor um, was like, yeah, yeah, just, just do this, move like this. And I couldn't do two of the main things that he wanted me to. And he's like, Oh, just, just work on it. And uh, like I said, I mean, you can work on it and there can always be goals to be. Um, but it's, um, the leg one is definitely a bigger mm. one for me. So I'm always trying to find ways of, of making that work out. you know, flaring the foot, shifting pressure already into that leg. There's stuff that you can work around to, to help with that.
1: Yeah. Do you have a prosthetic? I don't,
0: but I do have a rod and pins uh, yeah. that'll be in there forever. Okay.
1: Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's, um, if anyone is like, um, woe is me, my back hurts a little bit, right? Like, <laughs> look at Jason. I mean, he's, he's walking, right? Like, amazing. So, and like doing good stuff golf wise, where with a very important body part. So that's, uh, that's amazing, man. That's, uh, that's an incredible story. I, I um, I, I don't know enough about you. I'm sure if I knew more or if I, you know, listen to more chasing scratch or something, I probably would have heard about that, but I had never heard that. That's crazy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's uh, I mean, I don't, uh, I don't advertise it. I don't uh,
1: speak too much about it, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's, that's incredible. Um, okay. So speaking of chasing scratch, this, it's been a big part of, of your life over the last several years. Um, that's, that's how a lot of listeners probably know you. Mm, Uh, Um, so what's the story there how did that come about uh, what what happened there to so that you could start working uh, I, it's with Mike right that's he's correct he's yeah your,
0: yeah I work yeah. with Mike absolutely um so I mean I was an avid l- listener to the show um, I don't actually know if I listened to podcasts before that show I was oh. just driving out to the to our family cabin one day and I was you know the radio doesn't work, work at X point you know once you get outside the city and so I was like oh, I'll give podcasts to try and I googled golf as I was a you know, crazy into golfing and, uh, just stumbled across it. Uh, Mike always jokes about when they first, <laughs> when they first started broadcasting, you could see like where people were listening yeah. and he jokes about someone being up North. And I always, I probably wasn't me, but I always pretend that I was that guy that, that sure. first started listening to it. Uh, um, and yeah, then, you know, uh, seasons went on. Um, he was working with it with, um, a coach at his club. Um, and I had helped him out a couple times, like during that with like a I think it was his, I think it was one of the majors, and he was just not playing well. And so we hopped on a, a Zoom call, and we were just chatting about the swing. And I noticed that he was not turning. And I said, "Listen, my you know, without going like." too deep in anything because obviously you got to go, go play. I said, you're making, you're not finishing your turn. I want you to just think one simple thought of, of not rushing that backswing and, and played pretty good golf from there. Now, obviously there was other stuff that I would like to work on, but I wasn't going to step on anybody's toes. Um, after, you know, he'd worked for this coach for about a, a year or so, he just wasn't quite getting, you know, the results that he was <laughs> looking for. So then he just reached out to me and said, Hey, would you mind taking me on as a student? Absolutely, um I, I love helping anybody. Right? It, mm. it doesn't matter if you're you're famous or you're just a guy trying to trying to take out golf. Now, mm. uh, don't get me wrong. I mean, the the opportunity to be able to do that is right. fantastic. You jump on their that. their reach. Yeah. um So yeah, we we set off. I guess it would have been maybe about eight or nine months ago now, something like that, where we started. um And it was you know finding out how, how he moved, how his body moved, what he was looking for in his swing. You know, I always ask. Like in all my starting points with any student, it's what ball flight you have, what ball flight do you want, what your big miss is, what you most want on the lessons. Um, what would you like to have happen? Um, and you can't say consistency because that's just mm. too vague. Everybody is consistent at what they're doing right now. You want to be better at X, Y, Z. Then I want to know what a past or present injury. That's like, that's the info I need to start. Once I get that. And so for Mike, obviously, he was wiping them or pulling them. His biggest issue was that he would get very quick in transition and he would turn very flat. Two things that you obviously don't want in the golf swing. They don't work well with each other and they result in bad shots. And so we found a thought, a feeling, and there was some trial and error. And and that's one thing that I would say I'm good at is being able to pivot from, you know, what I think might be the easiest way or the best way if it's not, you know, catching on with the student or the drill doesn't work for him well don't just pound it in to the ground it's not going to work let's find a different thought different feeling so for his feeling that worked for us to get where we're, we're on our route was slow slow fast and so what was happening with Mike is he would get up not even to the top of his backswing and he would be starting his downswing and he never really gathered the club and got it set into a position and so we would work going slow up to the top and I don't mean like you know Turtle slow, but just slowly sure. up to the top, allowing the club to set. We would work the club slowly first down, and then we would turn into that shot, and that unlocked like this thought, this feeling for him t- to be able to actually make the motions we were looking for. And it's again, it's just a thought of feeling, but it gets us into the positions that and
1: we're looking. Was for. that was that like a drill to do without a ball, or was that yeah like during so a natural golf shot?
0: No, well, you can use it for both. Yeah, and again, you know, and. Students are always like, well, should I be thinking about these things (laughs) while I'm golfing? Uh, Yes. If you hit great golf shots with it, no, if it's too much information. Everybody's different. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a big analogy guy. Uh, Maybe I overuse them, but I always tell people that I can, I can bring you to the ballpark, but you need to find your seat. And what I mean by that is I can give you a couple of drills, a couple of thoughts, different feelings. Okay. But in the end, you need to own them. It's your body. It's your swing. If a student tells me, or let's say I, you know, I tell a student, well, what I want you to do is push into the ground with with your lead foot and feel like your your lead hip is moving back and away. And they make the motion slowly, no golf ball, we're just making the motion. And I'll ask, what does that feel like to you? And they be like, well, it feels like my right butt cheek is going backwards. Perfect. It's Not what I told them, okay, but it's their feel right. and their, their body that produces X, Okay, we do it with no golf ball, just air swings. And then we do it with like a tee or a broken, you know, something on the ground. Then you put a foam ball in there, and you bring it into real golf ball. There are stages. Most golfers, there are exceptions, but most golfers cannot go from zero to hundred making a new movement pattern. It's just it doesn't happen. You have something ingrained in your brain, motor patterns, right? Those, if you were wanting to really change something, it takes a little bit of time and a little bit of effort and a lot of thought okay mental side of it into being able to like make that change
1: hey guys josh here just want to pop in and tell you about an awesome new sponsor of the show the divot board the game-changing golf training aid designed to elevate your swing and revolutionize your game whether you're a beginner teeing off for the first time or an elite player striving for perfection The Divot Board is your ultimate partner for achieving a consistent and effective golf swing. What sets the Divot Board apart is its patented technology that offers instant feedback, both at home and on the range. With every swing, you gain valuable insights into the crucial point of impact, as well as your swing path, enabling you to make real-time adjustments. It's really just like a Divot. This means you'll fine-tune your technique right on the spot, leading to greater consistency and improved ball contact. One of the most important parts of quality practice is instant feedback, and nothing does that like the divot board. It really is just like a real divot. What's truly remarkable is the flexibility the divot board brings to your practice. Whether you're honing your skills with a golf ball or simply focusing on your swing mechanics, the divot board accommodates both preferences. It's your portable golf coach, always ready to provide guidance, whether you're indoors or outdoors. Mike at the divot board was kind enough to send me one, and I personally use mine in my backyard to hit foam golf balls, and it's really cool. I had a little project where I built a hitting platform with a custom cutout sized exactly for the divot board. It's been an awesome way to be able to get quality practice with real feedback without even leaving the house. And with having a one-year-old and running my own business, take it from me, this has honestly been great for my mental and physical health as well as my golf game. The Divot Board has a genuine turf feel, giving you an authentic golf experience each time you use it. No matter where you are or what your skill level is, this training aid will undoubtedly help you build the confidence and skill you need to excel on the course. And to top it all off, the divot board is running an awesome fall sale right now. Now through November 30th, you can get a divot board for just $99. That's $40 off the full price. To upgrade your practice and get your divot board, go to divotboard.com slash mentalgolfshow and use the discount code mentalgolf10 the number 1010 Mental Golf 10 at checkout to get an additional 10% off your purchase, or go to the link in the show notes of this episode. Again, that's slash mental golf show and use the offer code Mental Golf 10 at checkout to get 10% off. That will bring your divot board all the way down to just $90. Don't wait, go grab it now. Many thanks to Divot Board for partnering with the Mental Golf Show. All right, let's get back to the episode. How do you feel about Mike's progress? Because they, uh, as as we're recording this, they just finished their season. They just had their final major. Um, not everyone that listens to this listens to Chasing Scratch, but in in short, they all the, at the end of every season. And I'm a I'm a novice Chasing Scratch fan, um, but I got to go to this one uh, to their Velcro Invitational but they just finished and um, you'll have to listen to the episode to to hear what the actual result was. It was a phenomenal episode. You were part of it. You, you have a large part in the, in the show, but how do you feel about Mike's progress over the last eight or nine months?
0: Um, both of them have been doing amazing things. Uh, the ability that they can, can grow now as golfers is more what I'm proud about. And it Mm. was funny. Um, after the final event, so at Firethorn there, where we, where we met, yeah. I yeah. was chatting with them <laughs> after the dinner, and I said, Mike, do you remember why you started the podcast? And he stopped for a second, and he's like, because we couldn't play good golf on golf trips. And that was, you know, if you if you listen way back, mm-hmm. and it was one or two. And that was the whole thing, right? They would they would go to these things, and they would shoot a gazillion. And I said, <laughs> you guys just shot, I think it was f- three amazing rounds of golf, all sub you know, 80 rounds Yeah, in front of people on hard golf courses, you guys should be amazed. And he just was yeah. like, yeah, you know what? <laughs> we did. Right. And I'm like, yeah, you were literally, I mean, they haven't got to scratch yet and uh, not to like break anything, but no, yeah, yeah. they're on the process and they're, they're the goal that they spur set out for, is there like they did it, you know what I mean? So their growth, absolutely for sure. Now, obviously Mike is, is my student, and you know, I'm, I'm happy for him that to see his growth. Um, he's got, he, he's come a long way, but he's got, uh, he's got a lot more work we're going to put in, Mm. um, to get him where he wants to, to go. But man, um, he, he does a lot of work himself and he should be very proud.
1: Yeah. I was gonna, I was gonna say I've, I've played with him one time. um, It was a few months ago at his home course in Greensboro. Have you played the Cardinal? Have you been to? I
0: have played the Cardinal, yeah.
1: Yeah. What do you think of the Cardinal?
0: It is, uh, it's so tough. Um, I think I went, I played good on my second day. I think I only shot one over par. Um, That's good. And it was like, yeah, it was was okay golf. I had one bad shot. And that just shows you like one bad shot all around. Yeah. Uh, I think it's the second hole. I like the pin was sort Mm -hmm. of front and I tried to hit it. Again, bad shot selection. But anyways, <laughs> hit yeah. the front of the like the little embankment that went into the to the hazard. Yeah. Um, but man, you if you are not on all the time, that course is gonna eat you up. Um like his I think it was one over par or two over par from the tips when it was like his first sub sub um net score. Yeah. I don't think people just they just don't understand how hard that course is.
1: <laughs> yep. Like yep. It's
0: like, I there's like two maybe like greens, you could roll the ball up on everything else. You have to fly it into the right spot on the green or it'll just spit it off. And now you're like chipping back up to an elevated green.
1: Yes. That's really well said. It is. It's, I, I grew up like 15 minutes from there. I think it's one of the hardest courses in North Carolina. I think, um, I, I he's, he's chosen a very difficult course to play all the time, which I don't know. Do you, do you feel like that benefits him or or more broadly speaking to a listener Do you think it is more beneficial to play tough golf courses or does it hurt things more than it helps? What do you think?
0: That is a, so that's a great question. I would say that it benefits him, um, because at some point, right, he's going to play more other, more golf courses and the ability to be like, Hey, if I imagine this is still the Cardinal, even my tiny little miss is still going to be in play. I can get it around. On the other side, I do have students that play at these ridiculous golf courses and they send me because I'm like, hey, your strokes, like I watched them and I, I can see them hit golf balls. And I know in a simulator or out in driving range, they're pretty good. And all of a sudden they're like, yeah, I shot 80 something and I had three more or four, four you know, OB balls or whatever. And I'm like, let's map out your course. And so they send me, <laughs> send me the course and I, I put it in the app that I use and I'm like scrolling through these holes. I'm like, holy cow, like all right, you got a 460-yard par four with, like, a 400-yard landing area. And the whole (laughs) hole is like that. There's no, like, so you have to hit driver, okay, to be able to, like, reach the green in two. It's like, okay, well, you're either going to hit it OB left or you can put it in the push (laughs) and then chip out. And, you know, so I'm like, well, if you're not feeling driver, it's a par five. got to play Mm -hmm. for bogey, okay? There's no if, offensive, buts. if you took that course and went, like, what's the stroke gained average for everybody on the course everyone's going to be 5.24 right so if you make bogey on that hole you're going to make strokes on the on the field now going back to mike um man yeah <laughs> the cardinal makes your game have to be so good like there's right. nothing in your game that can be sloppy or you're not gonna you, you gotta putt well you gotta chip well you gotta hit it off the tee and you gotta have really good iron plays you're not gonna have the greens
1: yeah yeah uh, it, the same thing applies to playing like a, a, a game called a worst ball where you have to hit two shots mm. and play the worst one every time. I think it forces acceptance of difficulty of discomfort of bad shots. So when you play a, a difficult golf course, you, it will either chew you up and spit you out or you can lean into it and decide instead, okay, it's going to be hard and I'm going to accept it and, and use that as training ground for acceptance so i'm with you i think it is overall more beneficial but you have to kind of rise to the occasion for it to be beneficial
0: absolutely and and worst ball is one of my favorite games to for my better players to play especially going into like a big tournament because if you can shoot well playing that game even if your game isn't great that's the score that you're going to play more or less on fc like Golf is yeah. a big bell curve. But if you can get comfortable playing worse ball, you're going you're gonna to score pretty well.
1: Yeah, right. So for Mike, let's stay on him. He's the star of this show, apparently. Uh, I love Mike. He's great. But um, Mike's work ethic, I've only played with him one time. I don't know how hard he works or if he works hard. I don't know. You have a better sense of that. What mm. What's his work ethic like?
0: Yeah, so I don't want... How do I, Mike has, could be better. Mike's got, no, no, no. Mike is, Mike's awesome. Mike has a lot of things going on in his life in general. So, um, and I don't want to like say anything out too much outside of that, other than he is amazing father and a husband, and he's got a lot of stuff going on that he, that draws him away from being able to maybe work as hard as he would want to, I think would be maybe a better, uh, a better thing to say. The amount of time that he puts in is definitely there. Um, But like, (laughs) I think he got 36 rounds of golf in this year, um, which is not great when you're trying to become a scratch golfer. Mm -hmm. Um, It's one thing that we've chatted about is trying to find time for him to get more rounds in and get more practice in, but life gets in the way sometimes.
1: Sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, he, he does what he came with the time he has. So more broadly speaking for, for your clients, how much of your work with clients is getting them to put in work between lessons? Or do you say, here's what, you, here's, I'm bringing you to the ballpark. Now it's your job mm-hmm. to find the seat, like good luck. Or do you actually like help clients try to navigate that?
0: Uh, a little bit of both. Um, yeah. I'm a big advocate for 1% better. If you ever read the book, Atomic Habits, that's mm. it has nothing to do with golf and it has everything to do with getting better at golf.
1: Well said. Uh,
0: if you are truly looking to get better at golf, you need to find that 1% of time to be able to put in reps. A lot of people, um, you know, I had a student the other day and he's like, well, should I go to the range for an hour today? And I was like, well, can you just bring a club in your backyard for five minutes, three times a day? It's like, yeah. I'm like, I would rather you do that. Right mm. now, rather than banging balls for an hour and just shutting your brain off, because honestly, that's what a lot of golfers do. They just go to the range and they exercise. Mm. You see it. You look down the range. That's 99% of people are doing their exercising at the range. They're mm. bringing their bucket of balls. They're putting it down. They pour it all out, and it's just moving their body. Okay, and they're burning calories. Great. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. If yeah. you have no intent, when you're at the range, you're exercising. If you go mm. to the range and you're like, all right, I'm going to work on low point today. I'm going to work on face control. You are not going to be banging balls. Now you might, and that's totally fine. As you grow, you'll get better at it. You might start with that intent. And then all of a sudden, next thing you know, you hit 20 golf balls and you just snap out of it. And you're like, Oh, I'm exercising. Yep. Okay, you need to find step back. When I work with students, um, and they, I have a couple different packages, but if they do my, my unlimited package, we're going to talk about a practice plan. And that's going to give, that's what I did with Mike is you're going to have day one, day two, day three, day four, day five, depending on how much you can practice. It's not Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, because things happen. Mm -hmm. You got to find time for it. You're going to find time for day one, day two, day three. On those, it's going to be like, all right, you're going to warm up. Whatever your warm up is, if you need help with that, great. If if you you just like exercising (laughs) to warm up, that's fine. Once we get into the game plan, then we're going to grab five golf balls. We're going to set those down. We're going to hit those five and we're going to pause in between each one we're going to depend on the drill we're doing but five golf balls okay then you're going to step back you're going to grab another five golf balls at some point i'm also going to be probably asking you to videotape it because feedback is key if you don't have feedback you might not be doing it right you could spend 20 minutes you could spend an hour and doing it completely wrong if you don't have feedback feedback is very important I believe most golfers are getting more comfortable with feedback devices. Now feedback devices can be different. It could be a training aid. It could be an alignment stick. It could be video. It could be your friend or it could be a launch monitor. Those are all feedback devices. If you don't have one of those, you don't know if you're doing what you're trying to do.
1: Yeah. Yeah. One of the, one of the things, and there'll probably be an ad maybe even right around when we're talking about this, uh, about a divot board and that's, that's one possible way to, to get some, some feedback of, you know, maybe you are doing that five minute swinging in your backyard. Where am I actually making ground contact? But why is, why is feedback so important? We say that it, it kind of makes sense logically, but why is that so important?
0: So you need to be able to quantify the feel that you have into, hey, this is what I'm doing. If you are one, just trying to make the feel, but you're not actually doing it, well, you're not changing anything. When a student, when I ask a student to make a new move and, and I, after they make the move, I go, what does that feel like? And they go, oh, it feels different, perfect. <laughs> yeah. If it doesn't feel different, you're doing the same thing. Now, yeah, I might want more of it, um you mean a couple other uh swing swing coaches or golf coaches we always joke there's like that little um um gif or whatever with the kid from uh the last or last miracle i think where he's like may may i have please more sir yeah 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 yeah, they always send that one back because it's like all right I want, you know, to close the face. I want more of that. I that's need more you that. And asking, like, can
1: I have some more? Yeah, yeah.
0: Can I have some more of that from the student? Yes. And they're like, I already feel like I'm doing it. I'm like, great. I need more of it though. Because right. what happens is when you do it slowly and the, and it feels really weird, when you go back to faster speeds, you're only going to retain, man, maybe like 0.1% of that. So I need more of it at the beginning so that when you revert back, it'll be 1% or 10%. Mm-hmm. And that's going to let you to you know play better golf. Um, from, from the other aspects of, uh, feedback, why you need feedback. So there's a couple different stages of feedback. If you're really making a motor pattern change and we're taking away the golf ball video is one of the best because you can still see in the video in slow motion, are you making the movements correctly that we're looking for? and are the elements in there again going back and if we go to that that baking analogy okay mm-hmm. you might be making the motion proper let's just say let's say you're really steep and your your shaft is coming down through your neck as you're turning down from the golf ball so we're looking mm-hmm. to get yours a little bit you know more not super shallow and not everybody needs to get super shallow uh, but we want to get the club on a good plane well if we we're doing that but now the face is wide open well, we can't bring a golf ball into that yet because you're not going to be able to make that motion that we want because now you're going to have to do something else to square it up. And so still with no golf ball, Hey, that looks good, but let's turn the grip a little bit to get the face in a good spot. Once those are good. All right. Now we can bring in some intent because every golfer is going to have some intent to hit the golf ball somewhere. Um, It's like if you ever golf with someone that makes this beautiful practice swing, and then steps up to the golf ball and makes all these crazy movements. Well, that's because something was out of place, but there's no intent. So they can make that smooth flowing forward shaft lean, good rotation. But the second that now they're, they have intent, their brain is going to tell their body, Hey, Whoa, hold up a second here. Something's out of place. We need to do X, Y, Z in order to get the golf ball started down our intended target line.
1: Mm.
0: So at the beginning, no golf ball, we've got feedback, make sure we're making the movement pattern. Then at some point, once that's good, then we bring in some intent. And that, like I said, that could be a broken tee. That could be a foam golf ball. might be a real golf ball that makes it a little bit harder, but we have a couple stages, but you need feedback throughout those stages. The feedback is going to change though, as things go forward. So at the beginning, right. it's movement patterns okay, it's just video. Then it's going to be like foam ball. Can we, obviously we don't want to hit it fat. We don't want it thin. And even with the foam ball, you can feel that. And then lastly, it's going to be face control within that. Those are more skill-based things once the movement pattern is a good spot. You might be a very skilled golfer with a terrible movement pattern. And the analogy I get for a lot of golfers for that is you are a cup. So you're a cup that you would drink out of. Right now, you have a cup that's the size of a shot glass. But you've golfed enough and you've hit enough golf balls that it is full to the brim of skill. Well, in order for you to get better at golf, we need to enlarge that cup and then we can pour the skill back into it. That is a lot of golfers out there right now um, that you see that golf 80, 90 times a year. They constantly shoot the exact same score because they can't get better because their cup is too small. They need to enlarge their cup. At the beginning, though, because the cup is going to get larger, they're going to feel like they're playing worse, okay? or they may even play a little bit worse because the movement pattern is changing how they functionally made their movement. But in the long term, their cup will be larger. They refill it with a skill. You play
1: better at all. Where would you point people to find you? Like where? Uh, how would you direct people to, to learn more about you?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the easiest way they're going to find me is social media. So it'll be Jason Nickel uh, at... I guess it's X now, uh, Mm -hmm. or on Instagram it's nickel golf. And then you can find all my, um, golf instruction on the skillist app. Um, you can just search me up there. Uh, I'd love to help you out.
1: All right, everyone. Hope you enjoyed this conversation with Jason. This was just part one. So stay tuned for part two next week. I really like the way that he talked about playing tough courses all the time. I really think it can be a benefit, but you have to be okay with failure. And I did a Golf Thought Thursday episode recently titled, Does Positive Self-Talk Work? That would be a good listen if that's something you need to work on. And as always mentioned at the end of these episodes, what you've heard isn't therapy. It's meant for information and entertainment purposes only. If you feel like you need personal help on some deeper things you're going through, I encourage you to go talk to a licensed professional. But on the golf psychology front, if you feel like what you've heard doesn't quite cut it and you'd like to work one-on-one with someone, I'm a golf psychology coach. I work with players all over the world on improving their minds so they can improve their performance on the course. If you'd like to get in touch with me, feel free to send an email to mentalgolfshow at gmail.com and use in the subject line one-on-one mental coaching or mental coaching or golf psychology coaching. Uh, Or you can visit my website, joshnicholsgolf.com, for more info. And again, if you want to improve the quality of your practice and get the most out of your time, then let me hand-build you a custom weekly practice plan. Go to joshnicholsgolf.com slash practice dash plan or visit the link in the show notes to learn more. And I also encourage you to go take the Mental Game Assessment. It's a free 15-minute questionnaire, no commitment uh, on your part, and it'll give you your mental strengths and areas for improvement. It's free, again, so that's an awesome entry point. The link to everything, including how to learn more about Jason Nickel, will be in the show notes of this episode. All right. Thanks again to everyone who listens to The Mental Golf Show. Whether you're new here or you've been here since day one, I really appreciate the community that you have been a part of building. If you've learned something on this episode, go subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen. Maybe mention the biggest thing that you've learned listening to the podcast underneath those five shiny stars. Okay. Thanks for listening to The Mental Golf Show. I'm Josh Nichols, and I will catch you guys next time.